It was Wednesday evening, a.k.a. Trash Night. Steve Brixton, 7th grader, formerly of the Brixton Brothers Detective Agency, plodded along his driveway dragging a maroon bin behind him. The bin's wheels rumbled and popped as they rolled over pebbles on the blacktop. This week, the Brixton family's bin was very full. The lid would not close tightly. It bounced up and down, making an irregular, slow clapping sound. And the trash was heavy. Steve could feel the can's weight in his elbow, and he kept switching the arm he used to drag it, right and left and back again. He sighed. Tonight was a particularly difficult trash night, and that's because the garbage bin contained 59 shiny red-backed books, a complete set of the Bailey Brothers Mysteries, a series of detective novels that until a week and a half ago had been Steve's favorite books of all time. Steve pulled the bin down off the curb. It hit the street hard, and its lid bounced open like a clamshell, revealing the can's contents. Steve stood underneath a street lamp. Its orange bulb flickered and hummed, even though the sun was just now setting, and there was still plenty of light in the sky. There they were, neatly stacked in a cardboard box atop a week's worth of kitchen scraps and dental floss. Bailey Brothers, number one to number fifty-eight. And, of course, the Bailey Brothers Detective Handbook, which was jam-packed with Sean and Kevin Bailey's real crime-solving tips and tricks. Sean and Kevin Bailey, as pretty much everybody knows, were the sons of world-famous Detective Harris Bailey and the heroes of the Bailey Brothers' books. They had their own crime lab and fixed their own cars and were basically the aces sleuths around. The handbook had chapters full of things every serious gumshoe would need to know, stuff like tailing baddies, making your own blowgun, and modus operandi, portrait parley, and other funny foreign phrases for the American sleuth. Steve stood and stared at his books. He looked around. Identical maroon bins stood like sentries outside every home on the street. The neighborhood was quiet. Assured that he was alone, Steve reached out and picked up a book. Bailey Brothers Number 15, The Phantom of Liar's Bluff, which started like this. Dad sure is busy with his new case, mused fair-haired Kevin Bailey as he piloted their sedan along the twists and turns of Bayside Road. I wonder if he'll let us help out with the sleuthing when he gets back from the Yukon, wondered his younger brother Sean, who had dark hair and was a better football player but slightly less handsome. "'Say, fellas, all this talk of work is making me hungry,' whined the Bailey stout chum Ernest Plumley as he nibbled on a hoagie in the back seat. "'I would change the subject,' needled Kevin. "'But I'm having trouble thinking of a subject that doesn't make you hungry.' Sean and Kevin broke into hearty, good-natured laughter. Ernest, who was almost as well known for his voracious appetite as he was for his loyalty to the Baileys, grinned ruefully. "'You fellas can kid me all you want.' It's all right. I've got this sandwich to keep me company. I call it the earnest. Shredded lettuce, chopped pickles, smoked ham, roast beef, tomatoes, horseradish, and the secret ingredient. Five kinds of mustard. Just try not to get any crumbs on the upholstery, joked Kevin. He floored the accelerator and the sedan tore around a blind curve. 
The boys spent much of their spare time souping up their Tucker torpedo, and it was the finest car in Benson Bay. The roar of its engine belied the boys' affectionate nickname for the car, the Jalopy. The car rounded another curb, and the Bailey's boathouse appeared. There are the girls, shouted Kevin. Lay on the horn, why don't you? Sissy Merritt and Hannah Fenway waved excitedly when they heard the jalopy's horn. Kevin often dated pretty vivacious Sissy. Hannah, Sissy's quiet and doe-eyed best friend, was Sean's favorite girl in Benson Bay, and the neighboring towns of Kelly Bay and Bayshore, too. The girls were both dressed in bathing suits and carried picnic baskets under their arms, ready for a day aboard the Bailey's speedboat, the Deducer Four. The first three deducers had all been spectacularly wrecked in the Bailey's previous crime-solving exploits. "'I'm so glad we're finally getting to have this picnic,' sang Sissy. "'Our last day out was interrupted by that case you two cracked.' She was referring to the time Sean and Kevin busted a gang of carnies and criminal clowns and learned the secret behind the funhouse mirror. "'Thanks for not being sore at having to reschedule,' offered Sean, unpacking the trunk. We'll make it up to you gals on the water. Kevin may be a lead foot behind the jalopy, but wait till you see the tricks I can get up to in the deducer. The youths laughed together. I'm just excited to try out my new present from my dad, beamed Ernest. Mr. Plumley was a prominent lawyer in Benson Bay. What did he give you? asked Sean. I'll give you two sleuths a hint. They're perfect for bird watching. Ernest pulled a pair of high-powered binoculars out of his satchel. Sean and Kevin whistled appreciatively. "'That sure is a swell pair of glasses,' Kevin commented. Ernest held the binoculars up to his eyes and peered at the cliffs in the distance. "'I can see all the way across to Liar's Bluff from here.' "'Say, when do we get a turn, Mr. Audubon?' Hannah smiled. Ernest didn't say anything. He slowly lowered the binoculars, and his friends noticed that his usually ruddy face had gone pale. "'What's the matter, chum?' Kevin queried. "'You look like you've seen a ghost.' "'I think I just did.' Steve's reading was interrupted by squealing brakes. A dented silver station wagon had stopped a few feet from his trash bin. A voice Steve had never heard before shouted, "'There you are. I've been looking for you.'